Just a moment of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Well, what a weekend of celebration, although it's been a bit longer than a weekend, hasn't it? I don't know about you, but I've got a bit lost with the days since Thursday. I wonder if you attended any street parties, for it is not only Pentecost, of course, it is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. I actually went to a street party uh, on Friday. Good day, we chose the good weather day. And the whole of our street was closed. We closed it off, uh, cones out, and out came the bunting, and uh, we did actually have a bit of cover, but we didn't need it. And there were children's games, and a bouncy castle, and sweets, and neighbors were out for six hours, talking to neighbors, some of which we'd never met before. Some who'd moved in during lockdown. And what a fantastic celebration of our neighborhood community that was. And isn't it wonderful? to be in a place where we can celebrate together, to have reasons to get back together, especially after what we've been through in the last two, or more, two years or more, which have been marked by more of a sense of isolation and separation than gathering. But of course, God didn't make us to live in isolation or separation. And there is a deep yearning within every human heart to belong and to be connected to each other. And when that's missing, when it's taken away, our hearts and our spirits suffer. Even when we reconnect, the suffering and the memories of it can linger on and may still impact us. And those things, which seem maybe so insignificant, God's interested in that, in the impact of what we've been through. And our loving Heavenly Father just says, bring it all to me, all of it, and let me heal your hearts. Let me reconnect you. Let me once again say, you belong, you are mine. Because sometimes when these things happen, we start to guard our hearts. We become more fearful, more protective, just in case something like that happens again. And if we've been hurt in the past by separation or isolation, it can be much harder to trust and open our hearts again. But being in community, gathering together, is not just about social gatherings. Community is a place of belonging and can be a place of healing. Of course, our wonderful, amazing God knows all about community because he is community, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we were made in his image and we were made for community and are created with that deep sense of needing to know that we belong. I wonder, have you ever lived with or lived closely to a teenager or a young adult? There is a very strong drive within that population to be accepted 
particularly by their peers. And research has shown that one of the most powerful influences on the young adults and teenagers is to be accepted by their chosen peer group. I can recall when our daughter was 19, and yes, we gave her a motorbike. And suddenly, this phrase kept cropping up in conversations. Us bikers, and then she'd go on to say what us bikers believed or wanted to do. Fortunately, this has now been replaced with us equines, us grooms, because she now works with horses. But there is that need to have an identity with a group, that sense of belonging. In our first reading today from the Old Testament, we heard of the start of God gathering his people into an identifiable group. The development of a distinctive group of people that God himself, in Jesus, would come to earth to be part of. God tells Abraham in that reading that he will be the father of many nations. And he gave a promise in verse 8 to all descendants of Abraham. He said, I will be their God. And this promise is reiterated throughout the Old Testament by particularly by the prophets like Jeremiah, when the people of Israel have once again strayed away. And Jeremiah is warning the people of their consequences of behavior as he wants to draw them back together to be God's people. But sometimes Jeremiah, who always seems to have the doom, doom and gloom news, does get to once again say that promise of God to woo the people back. I will be your God and you will be my people. Belonging is important to us and belonging is important to God. So in our New Testament reading today from the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, which in my Bible is titled Life Through the Spirit. This is one of the set readings for today, for Pentecost. Now, if you know the story of Pentecost from Acts 2, you'll know that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he'd already told his chosen apostles to go back to Jerusalem and wait there for the promise of the Father. They didn't know what that was, but they were obedient. They went back and they waited. For 10 days, they waited, praying, waiting, expectant. And that promise of the Father turned out to be the outpouring of God's own Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But prior to that, when Jesus had died on the cross, many of his followers had lost hope, had lost direction. So they'd gone their separate ways. Fearful, yes, of what might happen to them, but apparently no longer having a reason to stay together. But then, over a period of 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus appeared to many of his disciples, restoring hope and commanding them again to go back to Jerusalem. And it was on that day of Pentecost, after gathering and waiting and expecting that we were told that 120 people were gathered together in an upper room, reunited with one purpose, 
to wait for the promise. And on that day, the promise was poured out. His Holy Spirit, and they were never the same again. And a new community of God was birthed. The Ecclesia, the church. And of course, every believer who follows Jesus today is also given this promised, amazing Spirit of God, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living deep within us. What a promise. What a gift. And today in this Pentecost service, we're just going to focus on one of the many, many, many works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The work that speaks directly into this need to belong, to know that we are fully accepted by God, part of a community, God's own family. Listen again to some of those words that Lansford read for us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And for us ladies, we can hear daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our own spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. Familiar words probably to many here, but maybe what we need to do, when things become very familiar, we need to pause from time to time and really let the reality of that sink in. And maybe do some seeking for a deeper understanding. What does that really mean to me, to us, to our life of faith? We are the children of God. No longer slaves, which leads to living in fear. No, we're adopted into sonship. And of course, it's a done deal. We've been brought out of having to work for, to earn our place with God. We're no longer slaves, as Paul says. We no longer have to fear that we're not quite measuring up, that we're not quite good enough, that if we mess up again, we might be rejected. We no longer have to strive to keep every bit of the law just to be acceptable in the sight of our holy God. No, we are no longer slaves. We are sons and daughters because of Jesus. We haven't earned it. We haven't reached a certain standard. We haven't got enough gold stars for good behavior. No, we are adopted sons and daughters solely because we have accepted Jesus and the reality of his cross and resurrection. Interesting fact for Jubilee Weekend. I googled, and I'm not quite sure whether Google is always accurate, can the royal family adopt? And this is what I found. Yes, of course, royal members of the royal family can adopt children. But if you adopt a child, according to Google, and you're a member of the royal family, 
You can inherit the name, you can inherit the possessions, but you can never be heir to the throne. You can't be included in the line of succession. You can't ever be king or queen. So it seems to be based on this continuing the royal bloodline. As an adoptive parent, I think that's a bit unfair. And wow, look, there's another sermon for another day. Adoption into the bloodline of Christ. Uh, Wait for that one. Now, as I said, adoptions are things that I can talk about with quite a lot of experience. And uh, yeah, if you get me on the topic, I can go on for hours. So many of you know that, um, gosh, 20 years ago now, uh, my husband and I adopted a little girl at the age of two. And what was made really clear to us at the start of the process of being prepared to adopt, I have to tell you that took two years for us to be prepared. I'm not sure many parents get a two-year preparation of all the things you have to know before you can have a child in your house. But what was made very clear to us as prospective adoptive parents was that a really vital part of her journey from then on was for her to know that she really belonged, that this was permanent, that she wasn't going to have to move again. And there are all sorts of labels that started to get flung around in our uh, training and our experience. First of all, birth family. So that was the label that we would talk about her birth parents. And then, of course, we had her foster family. So that was uh, the family that she was fostered with from a very young age. And now a new term. With us, she had a forever family. She was legally adopted into our forever family. And she had access to everything that meant. She was 100% our daughter, and she was our heir. And I think she's enjoying that thought. But you and I, you and I, when we accept Jesus into our lives and Holy Spirit comes to live with us, we are now part of God's global, eternal, forever family. We belong. We really really belong. Not because we've been good, not because we've earned the right, not even because we were born into a Christian family, but because we've believed and accepted Jesus. And at that point, our identity forever changed. We became children of God. And then we have the rest of our lives to really find out what that exciting change means for us. When I was reflecting on the two readings, the one from the Old Testament and the one from the New, there was one thing that just kept jumping out at me. In the Old Testament, we are told that God is gathering his people. I will be your God and you will be my people. But now, after Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit within us, that's changed. We're no longer just God's people. We're God's children. And we can call God Abba, Father, as well as Lord. And we could draw as near to Abba, Father, as near to Jesus as we choose. We have this invitation to an ever-deepening intimacy with him 
as a loved and treasured child. Child, yes, each of us learning to live as that love and treasured child. And yes, we'll make mistakes and we won't quite understand, but we will always be loved, always accepted, always forgiven, always welcome and always received. But of course, it's not just about me or you as individuals. Although our personal relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, and with Jesus through his Holy Spirit is indescribably important, God's written word gives us a clue that it's not all about us. And it's interesting when you're reading scripture, when you're reading the Bible, look for the little tiny words, because sometimes the little words if you don't gloss over them, can just give you a new depth of understanding. So in verses 15 and 16 of Romans, it says, and by him, that's the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies that we are God's children. A plural pronoun, we. Sorry, I was a speech therapist for a long time. Plural pronoun, not I, we. And unlike our daughter, we are not an only child. As the song goes, and I was going to sing it, but I've bottled out, we are family, and I have all my sisters and brothers with me. We're no longer just a community of gathered people. We are closely related, a family of millions and millions of brothers and sisters across the world. We are all members of God's forever family. And like with Kirsty, being adopted into a permanent family brings the opportunity for healing and for wholeness. To receive the healing that acceptance and belonging brings, first of all, in our relationship with God. And then, from the healing of belonging in the community, as we also seek to love and serve like Jesus, access to support and reassurance, a shoulder to cry on, someone to laugh with, someone to share our joys with and our doubts and questions, someone to pray with, someone to just sit with. When the hurt is so deep that words are not enough, we can be the presence to each other of Jesus by his Holy Spirit within us, bringing his light into every dark place. And of course, that's not just for followers of Jesus. We're all called to go out and be God's invitation to come closer, to be the light that draws others into this community of healing and hope, to be the place where Jesus' loving and healing presence is flowing out through us, an invitation to come closer to the one who offers everyone that place of belonging. All are invited and none are excluded. So today, let's say yes to Holy Spirit reigniting within each of us the passion for gathering as family, where we've previously been forced apart by fear and isolation. Let's move forward together 
as brothers and sisters, to draw others into this loving presence of God as we serve them. And we serve them not because we have to, not because we're told to, but out of a growing sense within us of deep gratitude because we ourselves are loved and fully accepted. Today is a healing service. And so we will move soon into a time of prayer and we will have the opportunity corporately and individually to seek God's healing in our bodies, in our hearts, in our minds and in our spirits. But also too, if we're willing, we can take a moment to ask to be drawn nearer to God the Father by that spirit of adoption and receive fresh healing that is found there. So as we transition into this time of prayer, we're going to stay seated. And we're going to gently sing the song, Abba Father. We're going to sing it twice. Once we'll have the I and the me. Abba Father, let me be yours and yours alone. And then we will sing it again prayerfully. But I've changed the words to Abba Father, let us be yours and yours alone. May our will forever be evermore your own. Never let our hearts grow cold. Never let us go. Abba Father, let us be yours and yours alone. Amen.